You're listening to Cindy's Voice, a podcast that aims to raise awareness and advocate for the enslaved in an effort to end sex trafficking and sexual exploitation. Together, we're a community that educates, equips, and empowers you to take action against modern-day slavery. Every episode, we bring you inspirational stories of survivors who have been through the ordeal of human trafficking and sexual assault. In addition, we interview key advocates in the anti-trafficking movement and have them share their comments on the detrimental effects of human trafficking in our society. Now, here is your host, Cindy. Welcome, welcome to Cindy's Voice Podcast. I am Cindy Rivero, your host, and my guest today is Jerome Ilan, President and CEO of Trafficking in America Task Force. He's an amazing advocate and philanthropist. He works as a special advisor of the Utah Attorney General, and he's also a child sex trafficking survivor and the most wonderful, courageous person you'll ever meet. And I don't want to keep you from personally meeting him, so here it is, Jerome. Hi, Jerome. Welcome to Cindy's Voice Podcast. Please tell us a little bit about who you are, what you like to do for fun, and please share as much as you feel comfortable with your story. Yeah, um, you know, you know, I, I, unfortunately, you know, my story is one that's uh, far too common, you know, as a survivor of child sex trafficking. Um, and I'm just incredibly blessed um, to have people like you um, who just are raising awareness about this issue because it's been so hidden for so long. And, you know, I um, was trafficked um, uh, from the age of five to the age of 12. And, you know, it was only by God's grace that I was able to um, get out of being trafficked. Uh, and, you know, I spent uh, most of my adult life struggling with the trauma of what happened. And I was incredibly um, you know, lucky that, you know, at 17, um, I joined the United States Marine Corps and left um, the area that I was trafficked in and was able to kind of escape all that. But, you know, it, it took actually so many years because, you know, I, I entered into um, trauma therapy um, in my mid-20s and, and spent you know, over 20 years in trauma therapy um, to try to recover um, from what happened to me. And I, and I just have been incredibly lucky to be on this healing path and to um, survive what happened to me. And, you know, um, the, the, the story behind, um, you know, how I was able to escape being trafficked is one that, you know, I think has kind of, kind of, you know, driven me, propelled me um, throughout this whole um, journey and that, you know, um, you know, I had been trafficked for over, you know, from five to 12. And, you know, I had tried so many times to tell somebody that, you know, I was being, you know, molested, trafficked and sold. Um, and one of those people, you know, was an ER doctor um, who um, ignored me. And I tried to tell one of my teachers and she started molesting me. Um, and then um, at the age of 12, I just kind of lost all hope. 
So I went to my mother's medicine cabinet and got a bottle of sleeping pills and went to the liquor cabinet and got a bottle of vodka. And I went into my mother's um, rose garden, which she um, loved more than she did me. And um, I uh, took the sleeping pills, drank the vodka and lay down on the ground. And I tell people, you know, it was at that point that, you know, um, I, I drifted off to sleep and, and I heard a voice speak to me and say, you know, your time on earth isn't done and you go back and fight for all the children who are suffering like you. And I woke up in an emergency room and I had been gone for like three minutes. And I tell people, you know, I, I looked, um, when I first woke up and I looked over in the corner, um, I, I really believe I saw an angel standing over me, um, you know, smiling. Uh, and I just feel like, you know, God's kind of put, put it in my heart to, um, you know, to fight this battle and to be this other kid. And I feel like he's, you know, inspired and kind of driven me. So I just, I feel really blessed to be able to uh, be in this fight and do this work. Definitely. And that is such an amazing uh, thing that happened to you. Even though you are passing through, you know, pretty much the worst of the worst, and being a child, it's so difficult to comprehend everything is going on. And asking for help um, is difficult as an adult. I cannot imagine uh, trying to ask for help as a child. The words that you have to yeah. say and then try to do it. So um, this is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. Yeah. And um, as an advocate, Jerome, what are some surprising misconceptions about sex trafficking and child pornography up there? Can you help us highlighting oh. and correcting? Oh, those? gosh. Yes. Thank you so much for that question. You know, it, and to me, it, it's, um, um, you know, it's incredible that, as you probably know, that you know, as I travel around and talk, people have an incredibly difficult time, um, you know, getting, getting their um, mind around the fact that, that children in this country are being trafficked. So people have a hard time um, with the concept um, of, of what we call domestic minor sex trafficking, uh, which is where you know kids in the U.S. are being lured over social media or out of schools and being trafficked. And, and it's a real misconception also uh, with that respect that the kids that are being trafficked are all um, from really terrible households, from dysfunctional households, um, and are basically street kids. And that's not true because this spans the full camp and it doesn't matter what your race, gender, socioeconomic status is, you can still be a target for traffickers and sexual predators. So uh, we need to really, you know, uh, break people's stereotypes, their perceptions of who can be a victim, because it can really happen to anybody. I have a friend who, you know, her father was an executive um, at one of the big automakers. And, you know, one of her, one of her boyfriend or, or a guy she liked in high school, um, basically drugged and raped her and took pictures and then blackmailed her into being trafficked for um, for many, many years until she was able to essentially move. And that's the only way she escaped it. So, um, you know, it's just really kind of crazy, you know, um, uh, how people perceive that, you know, this is happening in other countries. And it does happen in other countries. But, you know, it happens a lot in the U.S. And, um, you know, to people that you, that you go to church with, the people that, you know, that you see on the street. So people can absolutely be targeted and we need to get people to realize that because, you know, one of the things, and in, 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 again, you know, what kind of, uh, Cindy, what kind of propelled me on this journey as well is that, you know, I, um, I worked in biotech for over 20 
many years. And um, in 2011, when Jerry Sandusky, um, you know, was caught and put on trial, um, there was something inside me that said, you know, you've really got to um, speak out about what's happening or what happened to you. So I sat down, you know, and I've uh, written all my life. I mean, writing has, has been one of my healing modalities. So I've written all my life. And so um, I wrote an article called An End to Silence that I sent out to all the media outlets. And um, it was thankfully picked up by the Washington Times. And they said, well, you know, we'll publish this on a one-time basis. We can't pay you. And I said, not a problem. So they published it in their community section. And it did so well, you know, globally that people, it resonated with so many people that they said, well, hey, how about you write a column for us on a weekly basis? And I said, absolutely, as long as I can do child advocacy. So I wrote with them for, you know, over two years. And then my editors um, left and formed their own news organization. So now I write with Communities Digital News and we do better than we did with the Times. But I will tell you that, you know, Cindy, it was just so incredible because you know, when I wrote that first article, you know, it it was out of anger that uh, another child would endure what I did. Um, so when I had written the article and then kind of put it out there, you're like, oh my God, well, this is, you know, this is out there in the world now. But I got so many amazing responses from as far away as South Africa, from the London, um, all over the world that I was just so encouraged. So that in itself drove me to do more. And, um, and, um, and I have gotten so many people um, that have um, contacted me and said, you know what, you just told my story and I'm shaking. Because I, I just, gosh, you know, there are so many out there who um, are, 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 are keeping their silence and not talking about this. And that's why, you know, I, I, I love traveling in the sense that, you know, I, I can be there. And typically, I get around uh, 10 to 15 uh, people um, every time I speak um, who approach me typically after, um, you know, the event and say, can I talk to you? And then they share with me in, in private um, that they were, you know, uh, exploited, uh, molested, trafficked as children. And, and 10 to 15 people um, out of how many? Because that's a big number. I do get a lot of people yeah, yeah. actually asking me, so I understand that. 10 to 15 people in a, in, a, in a public of how many? So people understand a percentage at least. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I, I will say that, you know, this is in a crowd of about three to 500 or more or a thousand, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's a more rampant problem. I mean, there are a lot more people out there who are victims because, you know, we all, you know, we talk about statistics and numbers, but, you know, we all agree, those of us who are intimately involved with this, that the current statistics are incredibly low because there are so many people out there who are not talking about this or, um, you know, are not being counted because a lot of the, a lot of these numbers come from crime statistics. And, and unfortunately, um, in, in the U.S. and abroad especially, um, when someone is caught even for trafficking a child, um, they may not be convicted of, of, of sex trafficking. They will plead down. They will plead down to um, child some other crime. So they don't. The stats, um, uh, you know, uh, of, of trafficking are incredibly low. So the problem is is just a whisper of what it really is. And I know that from talking to people and from my own experience. So it, it, it's a really rampant crime. It's just incredibly lucrative. 
Um, but, you know, we have to talk about motivations. And uh, one of the things that, um, unfortunately, you and I know is that depravity is a very strong motivator um, for many individuals. And, you know, we have, and I think you know about the dark web. The dark web is, you know, 500 times larger than the internet you and I surf, but it's a, it's a haven for terrorists, drug dealers, pedophiles, and sexual predators. And uh, I wrote an article a few years ago that, um, you know, uh, that quoted Business Week um, magazine that they found a website on the dark web that was a shopping site for pedophiles and the youngest age requested for, for boys was one and the youngest age requested for girls was was zero. So, I mean, and, and, and that kind of depravity is definitely out there um, and, and thriving. And, um, you know, I, I was very um, lucky or very honored that uh, I did uh, a series of interviews with one of the networks uh, about some of the darker uh, things that are going on um, in, in, in the world with children. And I am going to definitely, you'll be one of the first people I let know about it when it, it is going to air. Um, so, you, so you can talk about it. But, it, you know, it's a four-part series. Now we're each, each episode um, that I was lucky that I traveled, you know, um, to Chicago and interviewed. So I will definitely let you know when that's going to air with, and give you all the details. So there's a lot... Yeah, there's a lot going out there that, um, you know, that people just are, are not aware of. And, 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 and again, you know, to me, I tell people, and you know this, you know, I, I don't want you to board your windows up and never leave your house, but I want you to be armed with the knowledge and, and the tools to really uh, be aware of, of what's going on and to really recognize the dangers, you know, excuse me, that, that are out there. And I will tell you that one of the biggest hunting grounds for sexual predators are theme parks. And we've done a lot of education around this because traffickers will also um, build, swap out um, victims uh, with other traffickers at theme parks. And I've been to several theme parks and reported, you know, I've seen, you know, teams of pedophiles in there looking for a child to, you know, to uh, be separated from his parents to, to grab them up. So they're everywhere. But again, the most, the, the, the worst problem right now is the internet, uh, in particular the apps, because I just did a, some training um, a few days ago, um, you know, about, um, you know, about exportation um, uh, in, in particular, during the coronavirus pandemic, exportation of children by such and, and how rampant it is. And, and you know, the apps are, um, you know, a prime avenue for traffickers, you know, WhatsApp and others for traffickers to go after young kids because that's where they're at. And in some cases, you know, there there is there are encrypted chats where the history is erased, and so you, it's hard to track. But there's a lot of good uh, modalities in place for law enforcement. Um, to track these individuals, but they're going after kids, um, you know, all over, you know, on, on, you know, on, um, you know, all the social media platforms on Instagram, you know, and, and you know, we actually um, had to, um, you know, uh, protest strongly and, and, and get YouTube to, to wake up because they had, um, YouTube is rife with, uh, with human trafficking anyway. Um, but, um, we had to, to really get them, um, to do something because, um, sexual predators were using 
kids' videos as chat rooms to talk about what they want to do to kids. So it's not like I got them to shut down the um, the chat function on kids' videos to keep these you know despicable individuals from you know engaging in this behavior, which was just unacceptable. So, and you know, I was incredibly honored because you know I was part of a coalition of um, survivors, um, nonprofits, and members of Congress, um, and some and some private corporations that um, uh, got Backpage.com shut down. I mean, we worked for several years um, to get legislation passed to shut them down, and that was the largest online brothel in the world. And so we just, you know, were all over them, and and um, you know, uh, just were so lucky to get them shut down and and stop um, them from exporting kids and 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 uh, people were being trafficked so that is correct and another problem is that we we shut down one and then another two three four five get created and so it's so yeah. hard to keep battling but backpage was a monster on this i was mainly traffic on backpage and they know i know they knew um they always talking to a third person not you and they know they know all these details um, so yes, thanks God they shut down Backpage. Um, but now, what like how does trafficking affects the well-being of, of a child? I know that you have been in a lot of. Oh gosh. Yes. <laughs> so oh, you know, gosh, Cindy. Thank you. <laughs> I want to focus in the brain growing because it's the well-being yeah. is the brain growing how can we help them building a normal life after being a victim if we can try to build a normal life what you know, you know and i think that 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 uh that's an important point to me and, and, and thank you for that because i think one of the things that we that we talk about um extensively is that it's it's um it's uh you know creating a new normal for victims because, you know, I tell people that, you know, and this you notice, Cindy, because 99% of victims of human trafficking don't know they were trafficked. They understand that word. So if you talk to a victim and say, you know, are you being trafficked? They don't understand a word because typically, you know, uh, in, in almost most of the cases of, of human trafficking uh, that include children um, and adults as well, there's a there's there's a vulnerability that exists that can come from, um, you know, a dysfunctional setting as a child. Um, I tell people in my own case, which I think is, is very common, that as a child, I was desperate for affection, like a drowning man's desperate for oxygen, because I never knew any love or any affection as a child. And, and, and one of the things I tell people is that, you know, you know, I, when I was in therapy and I sat there, one of the questions I kept asking my therapist over and over again was, you know, uh, why am I here? And I saw so many kids that didn't make it. And one of the things we kind of arrived at was that, you know, I had one person in my life, which was my great aunt, and she was the, the one person um, in my life that, that showed me unconditional love. And that is, is a big factor in terms of, of um, sur surviving and healing is that the majority of, of of victims uh, have never known what it means to be loved unconditionally or have never known what it means to, to have that healthy love because you know traffickers tell them they love them i mean traffickers will tell you they love you and, and and they will just 
you know, they will just um, pervert that word in terms of, of you know, um, making you think that um, that that what they're doing, like, if you love me, you'll go out and, and you know, and, and, and let this person, you know, rape you. And so that is is just so unfortunately so common um, that when you look at an individual who has been trafficked, um, you've got to really get at those vulnerabilities that that um, you know that, that that they were targeted for and being trafficked anyway. So typically, what I say is is that you know we have to teach these individuals to love themselves because as you and I in this city, you know, you have to love yourself before you can let anybody love you. So um, you know, we desperately try to get individuals to love themselves through creating a new sense of self-worth because as a victim, you know, you see yourself, your self-worth as, you know, as being an object that people uh, exploit sexually. So it's reframing that and, and, and actually um, letting them know that they have value as an individual outside, outside of, you know, uh, being trafficked. So that is what we try and do. We try and reframe their sense of um, you know of you know what their value is and and, and who they are, and so um, you know we really work very hard to do that, and and, um, and it takes a, a lot of people together, you know um, you know doing um, you know your, you know really good work, um, and so again you know but but as a caveat too, um, we try and get them out of the area that they were trafficked in, because that is a really big trigger. So we try and get them someplace where, you know, um, they're not gonna feel that pressure, um, you know, to to slip back into what we call the life or being trafficked. So, um, you know, we really work very hard to get them in a safe house in a facility um, where, um, you know, they are, um, you know, not going to be triggered. They're not going to be, you know, uh, uh, you know, approached by, um, you know, uh, individuals that, that they may have been associated with um, previously. So um, we work very hard to uh, to get them in a safe place where they, they're not going to be exposed to that kind of behavior. And then secondly, you know, we're, we're all about, you know, job training. Because, you know, if you ask anybody who is... Um, a victim, you know, they would rather do anything else. I mean, if, if they had the opportunity to make a living at something else, th then they would absolutely, um, um, you know, jump at the chance to, to do something else. So we try and get them job training. Um, and we also, um, you know, try and get them access to pro bono legal services. Um, so because, you know, we have people, you know, Cindy, who have, you know, 18 arrests for prostitution on their police record. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, you know, and then, you know, if you're going, if you're looking for a job and that's on, nobody's going to hire you. So we, we work very hard to expunge um, the records of victims um, and give them the help they need to start their life over again. Um, you know, in some cases, we even uh, we do a name change, you know, whatever is going to help them, um, you know, because uh, a lot of them, as you can imagine, um, are in fear of, um, you know, if their trafficker isn't, um, you know, given a lengthy sentence of their trafficker coming after them. And that's the other issue that we encounter um, so often in terms of, um, 
uh, prosecuting human trafficking cases is, you know, getting the victim to testify because they're so afraid, they're so terrified of what this trafficker will do to them um, that, you know, we work very closely with legislators in Congress and at, and at the local and, and state level to make sure that, you know, laws are in place that um, that penalize these traffickers, that put them away for, you know, decades. And we also make sure that we get language uh, in the law that protects the victims because, um, you know, uh, you know, nine times out of ten, when a case, human trafficking case, um, is dropped, it's because the victim refuses to testify. That is correct. And in my particular case, um, that is like a wound I have. Um, we were 17 victims, one minor. Um, yes. At the time of the arrest and everything, she was not a minor anymore. But I was the only one willing to testify. Um, Everybody got interviewed, people refused, people denied. And so it's really hard, it's really hard to put somebody into jail if majority of the victims or none or just one, um, they don't testify. So you are 100% right. It's so hard to actually put them behind bars. And that yeah. is if somebody reports, um, which yeah. is the other thing, like who reports? We are so scared that of course we don't want to report, we just want to forget. So all this work you do, to actually help them rebuild a new life, a new normal, is amazing because it's actually causing everything from extracting to, um, you know, like help them with therapy to rebuilding opportunities like jobs, education, and then replace them in back in community. That is amazing. No. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and God bless you. You are, you're an incredible person and a hero. Sitting, and I have to tell you that, uh, and I talk this quite often, that it was someone like you who saved my life because, you know, um, I had... I had a difficult time, and it was actually a female survivor that took me aside and taught me that um, I could be a man and, and, and be a victim and be vulnerable, and, and, and I could, you know, I could talk about what happened to me, and it didn't make me any less of a man, and I would not be here if it wasn't for that person, and she really taught me what courage was about, and I think, you know, gosh, I just, I, I, I thank you because you're such an amazing person, and, and you know, it, it's just one of those things where where, um, you know, um, there are so many people out there who really feel like they don't have a voice and, and, and you are being a voice for them. And I just really appreciate it, Janice. So thank you so much. You're so very welcome, Jerome. You are more than welcome. You are my personal hero. I was telling you before. Oh, thank you. Um, I have been following your work pretty much stalking you. No, 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 not really, but <laughs> I've been closely oh, following every step you you do because you take because it just amazed me it's, it amazed me how a person a, a, a victim a survivor a driver decides to step out of their comfort zone and tell the story and as you said it was another survivor who actually tells you hey come on you can survive you can do this so with you so many people is getting out of the shell as you are saying they come forward and tell and tells you I live through something very similar and that's my goal my goal is for people to know that it's okay to say hey that happened to me maybe not the same conditions but very similar was I trafficked because I believe that if we educate the people on what is the concept and how they get lured into it how easy it is as you said 
is not going to pick if you are rich or poor, if you are young or old, if you yep. are female yep. or a male. It just picks you depending on your necessity. If there is a gap, they're going to look for it, they're going to wait, and they're going to try to lure you into doing what they really want from you. One case that stays a lot in my mind is, is a friend of mine, another survivor, um, she's a sexual assault survivor, but it was very similar to uh, something that you said before. She said that she went to a bar, she went to the bathroom, and when she came in, um, when she came back, she just kept drinking and she was drunk. While being, you know, drunk, she passed out and everything. The friends put her in the car and she was getting raped. Oh, God. And oh my God! They filmed it, and yeah. next day, one of them told her, "Hey, do you like your video? You are such a star." And that's when he hit oh them. Oh my God! If you don't yeah. come nightly into this place and do what we want you to do, your parents and the whole college will know about it. So, yeah. as easy as having fun and trusting people you get into a, yep. such a position that a person can just like tell you if you don't do this you are gonna count like this my yep. thing i always tell to everybody is no matter what no matter how big your mess up your issue your trouble whatever you want to call it no matter what happened your parents always have someone you can trust and tell this is going on. Yep. What we can do. Yep. Yep. It's really true. And you know, what, and one of the stories, like you say, I mean, one of the stories that I always talk about and which really just, you know, is, is I treasure is that, you know, I was speaking at a Shared Hope conference in, in Baltimore a couple of years ago and I actually had a uh, 76-year-old woman come to me for the first time and tell me that she was, um, that she was raped as a child and, and trafficked as a child. And that, you know, to me was, you know, just so, um, you know, a, a, just a prime example of why God put me on this earth because I, so I could be, you know, a, a vessel for people just to release their pain and, and and just kind of talk about these things. So we both know that, you know, that talking is a first step in healing, like you say, I mean, and you really got to overcome that barrier of feeling that, um, that, you know, if you talk about what happened to you, that it's going to make you less of a person that you'll be judged for it because it's not your fault. And I think, you know, one of the things I tell people, you know, in particular as a survivor, you know, um, one of the biggest healing experiences in my life was, was having children, and that really healed me. But um, in, in that same sense, uh, when my children reached the age I was, that I, I began to be exported in traffic, uh, it became another level, level of healing for me, a, a revelation, because, you know, for so many of us, um, one of the uh, uh, ways that they um, use psychological blackmail is that they tell you, you know, that that you know um, that no one will believe you, that it's your fault. So we, we we start blaming ourselves and we start thinking that that you know that we should have done something. And for me, when I saw my kids at that age, and it really just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks that you know there was no way as you know a five year old that I could have 
done anything against a 250-pound man who was, you know, beating me and, and raping me. So I, I think that, again, it's about empowering people to talk about their stories without fear of judgment. And I think that's what you and I do every day. And I think that's what's so important that people have to understand because, you know, I tell people sitting and I you know this, that every day is a blank page. And we start our lives again every day we wake up and we write our own story. So please, you know, get up and, and, and write your own story every, every, every day uh, because it doesn't matter what happened a week ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Uh, your life starts over every day. And, um, you know, you can, you know, you can define who you are um, through your actions, through your beliefs and what you do. Um, and so what happened to you, um, you know, um, in, in your childhood or what happened to you, you as an as a young adult or adult, I mean that 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 doesn't have to await that that, um, that that you carry around because I tell people that for me especially and probably for you as well that you know um, you know this will always be a part of me but what will no longer define me because I am I am more than a survivor you're more than a survivor we all are more than survivors um, it's part of our story. But but it's 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 not it's not the whole story. We have a lot of our story that that still still has to be told. So and that, and that's amazing. Now, Jerome. Now, if you if, if you don't mind me, I want to get a little bit more um, closer per se. Um, yeah. You said something about your kids that you have children and everything, and it was a trigger when they started like being seven and everything. And I try to advocate a lot for teaching. Um, how to talk to children you know about sex and you know when is the right time and appropriate words and all the stuff so now thinking about what you just said you're with your children's intriguing and everything like what is your recommendation regarding how well we should talk to the kids regarding you know sexual assaults and sex trafficking and all the danger and what age and how how would you um, advise parents to go over this because it's really important we shouldn't wait until they are 14 because of uh, right. facts are that somebody already told them something somebody already uh, try to talk to them with that motive um, hopefully unsuccessful right but Somebody already tried to approach. We all know that. I know that. You know that. But how do we advise parents to initiate this? Do they initiate it? Should we wait for the kids? Like, what is the approach to it? Oh, you absolutely have to initiate it. I think that, you know, um, you know, starting at a young age, you know, at five, I think what we begin to talk about is... Um, you know, what's appropriate in terms of touching that, um, and, and one of the good, um, I think yardsticks is that, that anything covered by, by your bathing suit is, 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 uh, is off limits to anybody but your, your pediatrician and your parents. And so we educate them about, about good touch, bad touch, you know, who's, um, allowed to, to, uh, touch you in that area. But also one of the things that we also encourage through our programs is that the idea of five trusted adults, because unfortunately, Cindy, as you and I know, one of the modalities or one of the tools that traffickers and sexual predators use is they'll come up to a kid on the street alone and say, Oh my God, your mom and dad were in a bad accident. I've got to get you to the hospital right now. Or they'll say, Oh, I lost my puppy. Can you help me find my puppy? So we tell, we tell parents that with their kids, to to make a list of five trusted adults, five people that 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 your child knows that each have a safe word. So um, 
that that individual will have to go to that child with that safe word for them to do anything they ask. And so we really try and ingrain that into And unfortunately, Cindy, you know, one of the things we also educate people is that, you know, if you're ever in trouble as a child, um, you, you, you have to yell fire because unfortunately it's been proven that, um, that, that yelling help doesn't get much attention. But if you yell fire, people are going to really, you know, uh, pay attention. So we teach kids and, and, and young adults to yell fire because, um, uh, you know, screaming, yelling for help, unfortunately, uh, in, in, in many studies hasn't really, you know, um, helped people. But if you yell fire, people will immediately pay attention to um uh, we also encourage, you know, self-defense classes um, for children and and and, um, and young adults um, that they teach them techniques to to get away if they're ever, um, you know, uh, grabbed or approached, and and to make as much noise as possible, yell fire. And so I think educating kids, you know, starting at five, is so incredibly key, um, <clears throat> just to let them know that. Um, you know um, that what's appropriate. I <laughs> think, gosh, I think one of one of our struggles, which I'm uh, I'm sure you share, is internet safety. Because I think that you know when we look at the generation of kids today who have grown up with the internet, it's hard for them to understand the concept that um, there's a dark side of it. And so we spend a lot of time, you know, trying to educate kids um, about you know how to be safe. And one of the, the key things that we say are two key things we. Say, is number one, don't don't be friends with anybody you don't know in real life. So don't don't uh, accept a friend request someone you don't know in real life. Secondly, um, if you're a parent and your kids are playing online video games, uh, immediately disable <coughs> disable a chat function because the chat function is where um, sexual predators and traffickers go after kids. Uh, and and you know you have to really and I guess and and the most important thing is. Is, is learn how to communicate with your kids in an effective way and keep those lines of communication open. Because, you know, that's the key thing as a parent. So there are definitely ways we can go. But I'm all about, you know, educating children um, as early as possible of how to be safe and what to be careful and what to be careful of. Because. And uh, what happened, for example, if I'm a mother of, let's say, a teenager 14, and uh, yeah. he's already 14. Um, the time, you know, like the best time already passed. So how do I start it with a teenager? How do I say like, hey, because I'm sure if I go to my niece and tell her like, hey, let's talk about sex. She's going to give me her eyes <laughs> and me talking by myself, you know, but how can I properly start a conversation with somebody that is already grown up? How do I expose this to them? That's a great question. And I think that, um, uh, you know, one, one of the, what I tell people, especially with, uh, with uh, you know, with teenagers, is that um, the approach you really need to take with them is to, um, is to talk about, um, uh, the, you know, the individuals that are out there who are dangerous. Uh, because I think that, you know, uh, when you try and, 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 and talk to a teenager and, you know, there's any implication that, 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 they, that they don't know everything, you know, it, it's hard to get past that. So I think, again, it's about emphasizing the depravity and the darkness of individuals out there and saying, you know, I, I want to talk to you because, you know, this, 
this this has happened before, and I want to make sure. I, I know you probably know about this, but but I really want to talk to you about it. So I think that is really key in terms of uh, of approaching you know teenagers and letting them know um, that these individuals are dangerous because um, uh, you know it, it's important for them to know. And 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 you know I've been very lucky in that you know um, I you know we have um, you know state mandated uh, human trafficking training in our in, uh, right now. And so I am an instructor for, you know, state mandated human trafficking in uh, in middle and high school, which is where typically we're doing it. And so I speak to middle and high school students about human trafficking um, and kind of educate them uh, about the individuals out there who are dangerous, not you know, implying that you know that they're um, not capable of taking care of themselves, but but letting them know that that there are people out there who are just so ruthless that will do anything to go after them. So, and I think that's the the important way to go about it. And 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 you know, just really letting them know that um, that you know that that they're very capable, but you know, unfortunately, these individuals um, you know are very are very um, uh, you know sly. And, and they'll do anything they can to go after them. So uh, I, I think that's the way to go about doing that is to, um, you know, is, is to say, you know, that, that, you know, these are just very dangerous people that, you know, you need to, uh, you need to, you know, watch out for. So, uh, and I think that's the way to go about it. So, yeah. And um, so we are going for the last two questions, but they're like huge. Um, the first one is, what do you think the government can do to eradicate this crime for good? Um, do you think we are in the right path somehow? Say it once again. Um, what do you think the government can do to eradicate this crime for good? And do you think we are currently in the right path to do it? Um, you know, gosh, you know, I, I, I think there's an incredible amount of stuff that people can do. So uh, I, I think again, I think primarily what's key with that is education. But but what I think you know we really need to do is to um, is to um, is to look at the vulnerabilities that exist that traffickers exploit and, and eliminate those vulnerabilities. And what I mean by that is that we need to look at uh, in particular um, situations that, that cause kids to uh, be victims. And so what we encourage is that, for instance, in the case of a single parent, that we uh, provide, you know, job training and rent vouchers so uh, single parents can uh, earn a decent living so they can actually uh, have um, quality child care uh, for their children. Uh, I, I think, you know, again, getting education into schools is key, um, you know, providing, um, you know, harsher penalties for people who traffic and exploit kids. Um, you know, um, I have been very lucky uh, in that I, you know, I, I work with the uh, Boys and Girls Club of America, a fantastic organization. And so, um, and I've uh, created a guide to recognizing child sex trafficking for them so they can have it in their facilities. So I think having after school programs for kids, because that's where a lot of kids get targeted. A lot of kids get targeted um, in after school programs. You know, one of my um, very close friends. By who they get targeted, oh, like gosh. Oh, um, you know, after school, um, kids get targeted by traffickers who are just, you know, because, you know, they'll go to the places where kids are going to frequent. Uh, they'll even wait, um, you know, by the schoolyard. 
um, to go after kids who are alone and unattended. So they'll go after a kid and, um, you know, and, and, and grooming, which is, you know, grooming, which is how they psychologically blackmail a child. They're very good at grooming. So they'll, uh, they'll just go after a child and get them in a psychological trap they can't get out of. So they'll just, you know, they'll go wherever the kids are now. I'm old, you know, and it used to be the mall, but not so much anymore. So now it's, it's like the apps and on Facebook. And there was a case of um, a 13-year-old girl who, um, you know, was was lured um, out of Minecraft um, online to be trafficked. So, um, you know, that happens quite frequently. So, you know, and I just... And, and you know, and, and I, you know, and you and I both just our heart breaks when we read these stories. I just put a story out um, on my social media about a guy who um, uh, was raping a 12-year-old girl, and he was hiding under her bed and raping her for over a month. And they met on social media. So that's where the biggest um, areas kids are targeted, but also you know, in real life. Um, you know, IRL, they're also, they're also targeted, um, you know, by people who will just, I mean, you know, look at Epstein. I mean, I'm friends with, you know, uh, one of Epstein's victims and, and, you know, look how Epstein operated. I mean, Epstein, you know, a rich and, rich and powerful guy, you know, goes to these kids and says, oh, I hear you want to be a singer. Well, I know so-and-so and I, you know, and so that's just the avenue they look at. And, and, you know, when you have, um, you know, recruiters like Justine Maxwell, you know, the traffickers and predators have recruiters and they use women as well as recruiters, as well as women that also traffic. But they use recruiters that will go and just say, you know, hey, you know, you should be a model. You know, I, I have someone, I have a friend who's an aide, you know, and they'll lure these kids out, um, you know, uh, and, and, you know, they'll go to a young boy and say, hey, you know, you want to come over to my friends, you know, um, and, and he's got, you know, he's got, you know, an Xbox or whatever. And, all. and so they'll lure these kids into the situation and fully groom them to a point where they feel so trapped psychologically they can't get out of the situation. And you're so right. And on the other side with Einstein, um, I actually met a neighbor of him. And, um, you know, I reside here in West Palm Beach. And I was just talking in a private club. And this person actually shared with me, oh, my God, like it was until he died and he was arrested that I understood how human trafficking looks like. And I, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. and I asked her how how it looks like. Well, now I understand the random parties. Now I understand that come and go of people, how much people and everything. Now I can see, but it's you know, now that I can attach. Yeah, yeah. Right, and you know, I, I know. what makes us angry as well is is just the perception of victims. I mean, people just. Again, I think so. You and I, you know, do uh, so beautifully. That and, and people like walk on the streets, drug. Well, they think like that because yeah, they, they are think too, that, that, but that, not only that population. It's like more of more of everybody, pretty much. Yeah, they, they think they're 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 street people who do drugs, and um, you know, um, are you know are, are criminals. Who um, you know are, are just are just you know um, you know on that path uh, and have bad behavior, and so we really need you know. And again, you know, we talk about the common misperceptions 
that, that go with uh, human trafficking. And one of the things I emphasize in all my interviews is that, you know, people don't understand, as you and I do, that just because you see someone on the street um, and they're not chained up or someone's not holding a gun up, doesn't mean that they're, that they're not in fear for their lives and that they're not trapped and they're, and they're not being victimized. Because we both know that, that you know, especially in my case, and possibly yours, you know, when people threaten your family, people threaten your life, people threaten to, you know, to say that, you know, that, that you're, you know, out doing this of your own free will. And so there are all these psychological chains that, that hold you down. Uh, and so people have to understand that, that, you know, just because someone's on the street um, and, and, you know, on a track, um, you know, being sold, being trafficked, you know, and, and they can't just run away. I mean, that doesn't really work because they, they will get, you know, those traffickers will go after uh, an individual and they'll track them down because they feel like that that's their property. So I think there's the other misconception is that people think that, you know, as a victim of trafficking, just because your trafficker is not sitting next to you, that you can just run away. Um, and, and, and because, you know, you know, the ability to walk away from that situation, Cindy, as you and I know, is, is so incredibly difficult. And that is the step that, that we work so hard to get people to take. Because, um, you know, it, it's the fear, uh, it's the shame, it, it, you know, and, and it's, it's hard to actually uh, imagine yourself as worthy of a better life when you've been so beaten down um, and, and psychologically and physically and sexually abused. So we really have to, you know, create a pathway for victims that gets them, you know, um, all the services they need into a safe house, you know, medical care, you know, counseling, whatever, they can begin to heal from this because, you know, you just get so brainwashed by these individuals that you feel like um, you don't deserve better, which is absolutely wrong. And so that's why, again, you know, you, you're doing such beautiful work and, and, and being such a hero and letting people know that, you know, that, there's, that there's, they're better, they're worth more than that. Yeah, totally. I agree 100% with that, <laughs> Jerome. It is my understanding right now that you are super busy lately. There is a whole another level um, that came to surface with uh, COVID-19 and victims and survivors of sex trafficking. Can you tell us more about what you have been seeing and working on regards the impact of COVID-19 in children, especially victims of traffickers? Most of us would just think, well, you know, isolation, stay-at-home orders everywhere, so no trafficking. Is that somehow correct? Uh, I would be nice. No, it's not. It's, 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 that's very naive thinking because, unfortunately, um, you, know, um, you know, it's actually increased dramatically uh, with COVID-19 because what you see in particular is... Uh, Traffickers using COVID-19 as an additional tool to strike fear in the hearts of of their victims by threatening to infect them, by by saying that that you know that that they're not going to give them a, a place to stay if they don't do what they're told. But in that same sense as well, um, you know, uh, in terms of kids, you know, being at home all the time and being online, uh, they are prime targets for traffickers and, and sexual predators to go that, that go after them while they're online. You know, because again, you know, and one of the things that that um, we work very hard to change is that you know, as a parent, I mean, you know, Cindy, I mean, you know, childcare is just incredibly expensive. Yeah. I mean, it is just un un unbelievably so. So a lot of parents don't have a lot of options in terms of 
you know, uh, uh, having someone take care of their kids. So sometimes, you know, the kids are left at home and then they're targeted by these individuals. So, you know, we really have to make sure that we educate, you know, uh, parents of how to protect their kids. So so the whole pandemic has just, uh, it just heightened the problem so dramatically. And then we also have to talk about, you know, how the economic effects of COVID, uh, you know, and, and people being unemployed, people being able to pay their bills, um, is driving people on the streets where they can be victimized by human traffickers. Wow, there's a lot of things to talk about. There's a lot of things to go over <laughs> with human trafficking, you know, especially child sex trafficking. Um, is yep. horrendous, horrible crime, but we still like trying to understand and figure out like everything about it. Jerome, is there anything else that you would like us to know? Well, just just that I, I, again, just to reiterate that that um, that human trafficking is happening all around us. It doesn't matter where you are. Um, it doesn't matter in a city, in a rural area. Uh, it is still going on, and it and it's only getting worse. And the only way we're going to stop it is working together. I mean, and having people like you who are such an incredible voice. Because I will tell you that um, I've been so happy that you know. I've been called in, uh, asked to educate, you know, law enforcement, you know, Congress. Uh, I've, I've educated the Homeland Security, the TSA, but just giving them that that lens, that perspective from a survivor's standpoint, so they can be more effective in going after the problem. But I think that again, we have to be educated, you know, about uh, human trafficking and, and how sexual predators operate, so we can protect not only our kids, but you know, the kids that are in our neighborhood that live next door to us, because. You know, there was a you know a point where I wrote an article because I really got upset because people I really felt like people thought that after Jerry Sandusky went to jail that all the sexual predators in the world were locked up and I said absolutely not I said Jerry Sandusky's your garden variety sexual predator and there are ten, tens of thousands more out there who are just like him or worse so I think it, it it's again it's about awareness um, and arming yourself with the tools and and and, and looking to people like you. Um, to help educate them um, and, and give them what they need to protect their kids and and the children of, of, of their relatives and families all around them. And I think that's that's a, that's an incredible um, you know uh, uh, way to actually help eradicate. Well, that's all for today's episode of Cindy's Voice. Thanks for listening and thank you, Jerome, for joining me today. Join us again next week when we talk about pornography, society, and individuals. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Cindy's Voice Podcast and also on Twitter at Cindy's Voice Pod, that's Cindy's Voice P-O-D. Or just go to our website, cindysvoice.org. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter just to receive updates of our latest episodes. Take good care of yourself, please, and see you the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Cindy's Voice podcast. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us this week on Cindy's Voice. If you like what you're listening to, like our YouTube channel, Cindy's Voice Podcast, and give us a five-star review. This means everything to us. Follow us on Instagram at Cindy V. Rivero to receive updates on our latest episode. See you in our next episode. Till then, have a great week.